Amen. Good to have all of you here tonight. Thank you so much for that. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're in a series um, described here in this passage. In fact, verse number 1. This know also the last days perilous times shall come. When? In the last days. Well, I'm sure that you, like I, believe that we are in the last days. Now, I can confidently say that because Paul himself believed that he was in the last days, and so we are so much closer to the Lord's return than was he. And I believe we are seeing Scripture played out in front of us on a daily basis. Let me read for you just the first uh, five verses of uh, chapter 3, 2 Timothy. This know also the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now, we've spent several weeks already working through these different categories, these kinds of, of, uh, of sinful um, uh, manifestations that are happening in the end days. This evening, we're going to look at that little phrase, disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. I thought a lot about that because if you are... If you're my age or older, then you remember a day in which the average was for students, for kids, to be somewhat afraid of being disciplined in school. And in the public school, it was typical for, if they got in trouble, for them to go to the, the principal. And they were fearful that they might get some kind of a corporal punishment, whether that was a spanking or or a rod, and if you lived in a home like mine, if ever you had trouble at school, you doubled that when you got home. So if you were to get spanked at school, look out, fella, because you're going to get a double when you get home. Now, mind you, I'm talking to some folks who have no clue of what I'm talking about. What I just described is fairy tale stuff. That doesn't exist. But then I thought about, if you go back in history, and read any kind of books, whether they are biographies or history books or, or just novels. If you go back and read anything before, say, the 1950s or 1960s, the norm is for there to be very strict punishment in the home. As far back as I can see. What we're living in today that I think began in the late 50s, early 60s, and now has just exploded into this, this uh, uh, we, saw, we, saw, we saw the effects of a Dr. Spock come on the world and, 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 and a teaching from someone who was in a professional source saying, we believe that it's wrong to spank your children, said. And so, though it faced a great deal of uh, opposition at the time, there was, there was a significant amount of the populace that bought into that, and then generation after generation, it's gotten more and more pervasive. I remember driving into Boulder as my grandparents lived in Boulder when I was young, back in the 60s when Boulder had been taken over with the hippies. 
And downtown in Boulder, the parks were just covered with, with hippies. And, uh, and it was, a, it was a, a sad, in my estimation, a sad time in the history of Colorado. But I figured I was young enough to be naive, to think, well, this will pass. This pass and we'll, we'll get back to normal very soon. Well, those hippies became college presidents and became college professors and tenured. And they're the ones that began, began teaching the following generations. So what we're experiencing today is this mentality that it is no longer acceptable to talk about the kind of discipline that I grew up in, the kind that many of you grew up in, it is not acceptable to talk about. In fact, if you talk too much about it, you may get a phone call and have a visit by officials. What's happened to our country? What's happened? Now, mind you, I'm not for a second saying that all of the discipline that went on was good and godly. I'm not saying that. I'm not condoning all that went on. And I'm sure there was much um, child abuse done in the name of discipline. I'm sure of that that went on. But we're living in a society today where no holds barred, the children are now ruling the planet. And it's, it's, it is a, it's an unprecedented time in history. And you say, you say, I don't understand. What, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. We're living in the last days. And God knew. God knew that men like Dr. Benjamin Spock were going to be on the scene. God knew that there would be a generation growing up with a rock culture in the 60s who, who said, we don't want to submit any longer. We don't want to be like our parents. We want to be free. And so you have freedoms like the sexual revolution. You see, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and tragically, disobedient to parents. I want us to pray and ask God to meet with us tonight and give us insights about this very topic. Lord, I thank you for your love and thank you for this incredible group of people here at Hope Baptist Church. And Lord, in, in some ways I'm preaching to the choir tonight because we have some of the best families here. Lord, I pray that you might help us to, to gain insights about how you feel about discipline and and, uh, and disobedience in home life. And uh, Lord, we need your help to do it. Would you meet with us, I pray, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first of all, this word disobedient in this passage, to be specific and clear, is translated, or can be translated, not persuaded, not convinced, not yielded. Disobedient to parents or not persuaded by their parents or not convinced by their parents or not yielded to their parents. You see, it's a general command to obey and honor. In Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Here's a general command. It's funny, I'm thinking back to some of the verses we had our children memorize. 
And some of the first, very first verses, for instance, Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents. <laughs> children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. <laughs> children had no idea what it meant, but they were saying it <laughs> in the beginning. We wanted them to have God's word in their heart, and why not start right here? We want you to obey. You see, in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. You see, obeying your parents provides long life. Honor your father and mother for long days. It's not a new truth. Way back in the book of Exodus, chapter number 20 and verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So first of all, it's a general command to obey and honor. Secondly, we see some of the consequences in the law for disobeying parents. Deuteronomy 21:18 reveals that God did not think highly about disobedience to parents. Let me read you a passage. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken to them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of the city, and unto the gate of this place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put away evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And I say, I'm not proposing we do this again, but can you imagine how quickly we would have students in schools behaving? If you don't mess around, we're going to the elders. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I don't want to be stoned. <laughs> so, something's changed. Something's changed. In Proverbs 30 and verse 17, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. One who disobeys, disrespects, mocks his parents. The life of one that mocks his father and despises to obey his mother will be filled with all kinds of trouble and will come to a miserable end, he says. In Exodus 21, verse 15, And he that smiteth his father or his mother, before I give you the punchline, he that hits his mother or father. Oh, a child would never do that. A child would never, ever hit his mother or father, right? Um, shall surely be put to death. In Exodus 21, 17, And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And the word curseth here means, literally means, takes them lightly or despises them. Proverbs 30 and verse 11 says, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. So, in the Old Testament, under the Mosaic law, how would you describe God's feelings of disobedience on the part of children? Would God ever say, oh, that's okay, they're just being cute? 
Oh, they're just, they're just sweet. Oh, they'll grow out of it. It looks like God's pretty serious about disobedience. There should be, interestingly enough, the Bible teaches a perpetual respect for parents. In Genesis 28 and verse 6 and 7, when Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife from thence. So he's now old enough to take a wife, and we know that, that, uh, that he was around 40 years of age at this time. And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram. Jacob obeyed. And see, he's was, he was around, around, I believe, around 40 years of age at this time. He obeyed his parents. <laughs> now, the word, the word literally, I looked it up, it means heard. He heard them. He heard them. And you parents know the difference for your kids to hear or hear. <laughs> Thinking, did you hear me? I heard you. Why did you do it? Well, I didn't really hear you. <laughs> well, Jacob heard. He obeyed his parents. Um. In Leviticus 19.2, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord am, your God am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. We see once again a proper respect and reverence described that are due to one's parents. Now this is the same word here. The same wording, the same meaning as to fear the Lord. I looked up, very same words. Fear the Lord, fear your mother and father. One commentator writes it this way, the Jewish doctors ask, what is this fear that is owing to a father? And they answer, it is not to stand in his way, nor to sit in his place, nor to contradict what he says, nor to carp at it, not to call him by his name, either living or dead, but my father or sir. It is to provide for him if he be poor and the like. Children, number two, when they grow up to be men, must not think themselves just discharged from this duty. Every man, though he be a wise man and a great man, yes, yet must reverence his parents because they are his parents. Number three, the mother is put first, which is not usual, to show that the duty is equally owing to both. If the mother survived the father, she still must be reverenced and obeyed. It sounds to me like the child that comes says, How old do I have to be before I have to quit obeying mom and dad? Well, I can't describe that definitively, but it sounds like in the Old Testament, I'm guessing somewhere around 40. Here's an interesting loophole. We're going to jump into the New Testament because we see things just a little differently in the New Testament. Here's an interesting loophole that, that we see. In Matthew 15 and verse 3, Jesus is teaching, and he's talking to Pharisees in particular, and he says, But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. 
Now, in our today, today's culture, we have absolutely no concept of what's being talked about here. You've got to look back at the culture and understand the history behind it. In fact, in Mark 7 and 11 and 12, But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or mother. The vow to consecrate his savings even at death to the temple absolved a man from the duty of securing or taking care of his parents. It was further ruled that if a son, from any motive whatsoever, pronounced any aid to his parents to be Corban, he was thenceforward precluded from affording them help. The claims of the commandment and of natural affection and charity being superseded by the law or by the vow. He seems to have been allowed to expend the money thus saved on himself or any other object except his father or mother. So, what they're saying is Jesus was condemning these Pharisees for this tradition that they had. The law said you need to honor your father and mother. And if they have need, you need to provide that need. Well, somewhere on the line, some rabbi said, if you, if you honor the temple... And if you dedicate your funds to the temple and you call that Corban, it is a gift. It is a designated gift to the temple. Then you are exempted from honoring your mother and father. You don't have to take care of them because you're doing something even better. You are supplying the needs of the temple. So all you have to say, it's a Corban. It's, it's Corban. It's, it's Corban. We're free. It's Corban. You don't have to be nice to mom and dad. You don't, have to, you don't have to help supply their needs. It's Corban. It's dedicated. Now, if you noticed, it doesn't have to even all the way be followed through because that money then that is designated can be used for anything except helping mom and dad. The Pharisee, under that tradition, could even spend the money on himself, but he can't spend it on mom and dad. I found that interesting. How do you develop this obedience that's being described here? Well, first off, let me just remind you that what I described for you is law under the law of Moses, or life under the law of Moses. We today are not under the law of Moses. Hallelujah. I would not have lived today. <laughs> I would have been killed a long time ago. And many of you would have also. Because it was so strict, so black and white strict. There's no room for any kind of um, uh, uh, infractions. No mercy under the law. But in the New Testament, of course, there's great mercy. So what do we see here in this New Testament? How do we develop an attitude of obedience? Well, first of all, obedience must be the result of having one's will lovingly shaped and forced, not forcibly squeezed into a mold. See, what I'm going to tell you for now until pretty much the end here is, is are, are, are biblical admonitions on how to teach your children to obey. But what I want you to understand is the overarching truth here, and that is every one of us is a child. We're all children of God. And we're all to be obedient to our Father. Okay. Every one of us. 
we all have the responsibility to obey our Father and to honor Him or to fear Him. And so with this concept, this, this understanding, then, then we can look at this. So looking at this is, is, a, is a beautiful picture here, but ultimately its fulfillment is in the lives of you and me as we are to obey our Heavenly Father. Developing a pathway to obedience. Well, first of all, don't frustrate or discourage your children by your own immaturity. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And oh, my two and three-year-olds could quote that back to me. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. But the next verse says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Whew. I found it interesting that in the Old Testament account of Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. A father got wrathful, angry toward his son, Jonathan. And he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion, and the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Notice, so Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him the shame. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that Saul was angry at his son. What was the result? Jonathan was angry at his father. Huh. You mean the son displayed back to the father the very same thing the father displayed to the son? Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. But the next verse says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Fathers? Next, <clears throat> Don't constantly ignore your children. I'm so glad that God does not ignore me. He doesn't ignore you. We have a Heavenly Father who is vested in your life. After Absalom murdered Amnon, his half-brother for raping his sister, he fled the city. You know the story, but from then on, David, Absalom's father, proceeded to ignore the situation. Like it never happened. Three years passed. Joab finally convinced David to see his son once again. Joab brought Absalom back to the city. But David refused to see him. Another two full years passed. That's five years. After all that time, Absalom made the assumption that David really didn't care. Do you think that he was really wrong? For five years of his father not wanting to see him, 
He determined revenge. In 2 Samuel 14, 21, And the king said to Joab, Behold, now I have done this thing. Go, therefore, bring the young man Absalom again. In verse 28, So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Chapter 15, verse 10, But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. Don't ignore your children. Some time ago now, I was talking to a man. His young son came out and grabbed his pant leg. Daddy, 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 daddy. And the man just kept talking to me. Didn't flinch. Daddy, 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 daddy. I'm thinking, get the kid, answer him. Daddy, daddy. Just kept talking like it never happened. All of a sudden, that dad looked down and said, stop that. Go to your room. Seriously? Don't ignore your children. Don't ignore them. We dads are so good at turning our kids off. Moms can't do this, but dads can. We can turn them off. They're not there. I can focus on my book, on my show, on my computer program. I can daydream. They're not there. But oh, they need you there. They desperately need you there. Are they always going to be right about how they get your attention? <laughs> no. Are they going to frustrate you sometimes? Yeah. But don't ignore them. Next, pray for your children. I like this in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 18. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, of Israel, our fathers, Keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people and prepare their heart unto thee. And give Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, thy statutes, and to do all these things and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. David prayed for his son. Now the simple truth is you should be your child's best advocate before the Lord, constantly presenting their needs before the Lord. And next, take time to train your children. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Training, training has to do with consistency. The same thing over and over and over. Training is a coach. Training is a coach. The kids come. Or the, 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 the team comes in, that, that coach runs them through their exercises, their routines, over and over again, teaching their muscles how to respond, teaching their brain how to go through the various plays. Over and over and over, these routines going through, teaching them, training them, just as a coach faithfully works on conditioning, skills, and knowledge of the game so the wise parent must invest time encouraging their children to prepare for and discover the path that God has determined for their life. This also has to do with discovering your child's strengths and gifts and plotting out a course to maximize them for the Lord. 
I don't know if it's all men or just me. I was pretty dense to seeing at least one of my children's gifts. All I could see is the, the, the power struggle there. Power struggle. One of my girls, it was, it was quite some time before my wife asked me one time, can you tell me one thing that you see that's good in your daughter? I couldn't. And she said, you really can't see how loving she is and how she is so concerned for the underdog and how she's the first one to help when somebody's in need. You can't see any of that because all you can see is this. We need to, uh, we need to train our children. Because I was, I grew up in a, in a minister's home, for some reason early on, I just had the impression that I was going to be in one way or another in the ministry. I didn't, like, a, like most guys, I didn't dream about being a policeman or a fireman or, or going in the military. I just, in my mind, growing up, I remember just assuming I'd be in the ministry one way or another. So along the way, I was placed in classes and given opportunities to prepare me for that. I, and looking back now, it makes sense. I didn't understand at the time, but in junior high, I took Latin in public school. I had no idea why at the time, but when I was taking Greek in Bible college, my Latin came to play in a tremendous way to help me. I took speech. At the end of my junior high year, they asked me to take some speech. Well, they didn't ask me, they told me. I despised, I hated speech. Going through high school and having to take speech, I would have quit school if I could have because speech was so anathema to me. I hated the idea. I went to Christian school in 11th and 12th grade. I went to Bible college. Why? Because the path that I was going had the idea of becoming in the ministry. And I was, I was, I was being directed along the way. The wise parents are ones that look to try to find out what is God doing? What gifts and talents, abilities, what direction might God be leading? And then to help supply the, the, the needs along the way and direct them, lovingly direct them. Take time to train your children. Next, <clears throat> consistently and lovingly discipline your children. I've told a story many years that I will not tell tonight. I may never tell again. But how I disciplined my girls, how I disciplined them. And there was pain involved in my girls when I spanked them. Now, it was not child abuse. It was very, very biblical. But through the years, there have been some that have been offended. Why? Because they don't believe in spanking. And so, so I immediately offended them. Wherever you are on that spectrum, let me just take you to some biblical principles here and let you apply what you think is right for you and your family. It seems to be that there's a consistency of, of God's method 
of discipline has something to do with inflicting some kind of pain. In Proverbs 22, verse 15, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. God's method of ridding foolishness includes pain. Secondly, discipline includes being taught the right way. Proverbs 29, 17, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. <clears throat> One writes, Punishment is negative, making someone pay for what they've done. Discipline is positive, training toward a better future. Like touching a hot stove, we learn from the consequences of our actions. Discipline in childhood helps children avoid learning the hard way later in life. The scriptures teach that foolishness is bound to the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Administering the rod, apart from biblical principles, however, can cause more harm than good. Regardless of which form of discipline you use, the key is consistency. It is not the severity of punishment, but the certainty of consequence that makes the difference. Interesting. Next, teach God's Word to your children. It should be taught continually in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Teach God's word continually. Secondly, encourage a personal commitment to God's word. You do not have to wait until your kids are about ready to graduate from high school before you encourage them to have a daily walk with the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.14 but continue thou, Paul writes Timothy, in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. David writes in Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. Thy word have I hidden mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Between what our girls learned at home, at Awana, at their Christian school, our girls were always memorizing verses. It seemed like they were always memorizing for something. They went to a Christian school there, and school they had tackle memorizing the book of Ephesians for one class, one year. Next year, they memorized the book of Colossians. One year, the teacher challenged them to memorize the 119th Psalm. That's a whole heap, a lot of verses. At least one of my girls accomplished that, that, that task. Society's epidemic of children disobedient to parents is symptomatic of its departure from God. 
farther society has gone away from fear of the Lord, the more disrespect there is in the home. But there's still hope for Christian families as they commit themselves to the principles found in God's Word. You understand that no matter what's going on in society, God's Word is still true. Somebody came to me one time not that many years ago and said, Pastor, Pastor, if, if, we, if we discipline our children like, like the Bible says, we're going to get in trouble. And I grieve. Who would have thought we would ever have to, have to wonder about how do we obey the Scriptures? Who would ever thought we'd be in, a, be in a society where simply doing what you believe God's Word says could put you in danger? They said, Pastor, we could have our children taken away from us if we do all the Bible says. We live in an unprecedented age. What's the answer? Well, I'm not for a second going to be so foolhardy, foolhardy to say that for every one of you, I know what you need to do. Other than to say what you need to do is to determine if you're going to follow the Bible or not. But what you need to do is find out how you're going to apply that in your own life how you are going to apply the principles in your own home. And one of the best principles is simply being consistent in your, in your discipline. When, uh, when we heard years ago that somebody broke into my home and put a gun to my head and said, deny the Lord or you're going to die, it's an easy decision for me because I know where I'm going. Pull the trigger. what about when it comes to the other principles in God's Word? Are we going to be so quick? Are we going to obey them as well? Even if there's consequences? I mentioned this morning some martyrs who burned at the stake. They didn't have to. Quite frankly, many of them could have easily gotten out of their situation. Now, we would have never read about them but, or known who their names, but they could have gotten out of the situation simply by compromising. But they decided that it was more important to obey God than to worry about consequences. And so what my suggestion is tonight is we as God's people need to understand that there's a devil out there, and he is determined to destroy your home. And one way he's going to do it is by undermining the authority of God's word in your home. So let's hold it high. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your love and your blessing. And thank you for the truths that are found in your word. And Lord, we live in a day in which we need your wisdom. We desperately need it, how to apply it to our lives. So Lord, I'm asking you right now to give our parents your wisdom and help them to apply the biblical principles in their home according to your plan. Lord, give them understanding of how they can do that effectively. And Lord, I pray that you might help them to teach your word on a regular basis. I pray, Lord, that they'll be consistent in their discipline. I pray, Lord, that they'll be good examples. I pray that our fathers will not, will not uh, provoke their children to wrath. I pray, Lord, that we as your children will be obedient to you and be good examples. 
thank you for this time. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.